God bless you. I'm Nelson Rodriguez. Dios le bendiga. Él es Nelson Rodriguez. I'm the serving leader here at Refugio City Church. Él es el líder de servicio de, de los hombres en Refugio yes. City Church. For the men, this is our pastor, Norberto Torres Jr. Yo soy el pastor, Norberto Torres Jr. And um, a few months ago, we started something during the men's conference. Eh, unos meses atrás, comenzamos algo en la conferencia de los hombres. That we had a, a talk. Y tuvimos una plática. So... Today Entonces, or now, hoy, you guys will be viewing. Oh, oh, en este momento van a estar mirando a three-part series. Eh, una serie de tres partes. And it's a conversation I had. Eh, es una conversa, conversación que yo tuve with um, Pastor Jorge Caballero from Florida. Uh, con el Pastor Jorge Caballero de, de, uh, que es de Florida. Also, Eliezer Torres. Uh, oh, uh, también nuestro hermano Eliezer Torres. And Dr. Teo Strong. Y el Dr. Teo Strong. And it was a subject on grief. Y fue un, una uh, plática sobre l- la luto. el luto. I know that this year has been a tough year for many. Eh, sé que ha sido un año difícil para muchos. And going into the holiday season. Y entrando a, a esta época de Navidad. Many will be dealing with grief. Eh, muchos van a estar... Um, bregando con, 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 la, con luto. Whether it's a loss of a loved one. Ya que si ha perdido a alguien. Um, loss of a job. O perdió su trabajo. Or even loss of a friendship or relationship. O quizás un, un, una, una amistad o una relación. But our prayer is that this three-part series. Pero nuestra oración es que esta tres partes de, ser, de serie may bring hope again into your life eh, traiga esperanza nuevamente a su vida but overall may bring you closer to Christ pero sobre todo que te acerque más a Cristo so for the next few weeks por las próximas semanas actually three weeks estas próximas tres semanas you will you will see a new video eh, va a haber un video nuevo right here on Refugio City Facebook and YouTube page. Aquí en la página de Facebook y en la página de YouTube de Refugio City Church. So we ask you to subscribe. Eh, le, le pedimos que suscribe. But most of all, share the video. Y también que comparta el video. It's going to bless you and also whoever you share with. Te va a bendecir y, y el que va a compartir también va a ser bendecido. So God bless you. So Dios le bendiga. So good evening. Um, I am Nelson Rodriguez. I'm the servant leader here at Refugio City Church, um, Nehemiah's tribe, the men's ministry. And tonight is my pleasure to um, have with me um, from Florida, um, Brother Eliasel Torres. He is the host for What Would a PK Say? Also, um, Pastor George Caballero. Some know him as Tato, Pastor Tato from also Florida, Tampa, Florida. He's the lead pastor at Altal Church, Altar Church. And Dr. Tail Strong from Strong Health and Wellness out of Connecticut. Um, it's my pleasure to have you guys. And uh, I don't know if you guys want to say something just real quick. I don't even want to shout out or whatever it may be. Um, we'll start off with Dr. Tail and then Pastor Tato and then Eli, Elias, I know you were going to choose me first. <laughs> oh, man, it's a pleasure to be here, Nelson. Um, thank you for this opportunity. I think we're going to engage on a really interesting topic, something that um, 
everyone has to go through in their lifetime. Um, the topic is grief. Um, it's something that I deal with on an ongoing basis in my private practice. Mm. Um, like Nelson says, um, I'm the owner of Strong Health and Wellness, which is an integrated um, psychiatry practice where we focus on mental health, physical health, and spiritual health. Um, grief is one of those topics where you need all three. And um, I'm hoping to uh, make this a lively discussion so we can provide our audience with some, with some solutions. Amen, amen. Um, Pastor Tato, Pastor Jorge Caballero. Yeah, no, guys, honestly, I'm, I'm super excited. I think this is, this is a space where we could not speak enough on, and I think it's awesome that we're getting to look at this sort of topic from different sides of the diamond, but trying to arrive at a, at a truth together. I, I think that's awesome. I think it's really cool what Dr. Teo was saying. That's really awesome that you have that practice. I think that's really, really cool. Amen, amen. And Brother Eli, Eliasel Torres. I feel the same, man. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Uh, uh, two of uh, very good old friends and, and a brand new friend in, in Dato. Um, like you said, I'm, I'm, I got this What Would a PK Say podcast, and I'm learning a lot of stuff, man. I'm learning a lot from, from each and every one that I speak to, and, and I hope that, that what we do today uh, a lot of people can listen, not because it's us speaking, but because there's a lot of people going through uh, a lot of a lot of mental health issues, like like the doctor said. And and I hope, I pray, and I believe that this is going to be an uplifting um, message to those who are listening. Amen, amen. So, um, as Doctor Tail said, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about grief. Um, I'm going to say that the the idea came up when I was actually listening to your podcast, uh, Eliasel Eli, on what would a PK say, and Pastor George was was on, and he spoke very little on what pushed him into being a pastor at a young age. I'm not going to say what his age is. I'll let him say that if he wants to. <laughs> but um, it was because he experienced grief. It was the loss of his father. And just with the little bit that he said, I was like, whoa, I need to, I would like to hear more, you know, and how, how he, like, what pushed him to, I'm not going to say get over because we never get over it. It's something mm -hmm. we live with, but what made him stronger? And if you don't mind, if you can share a little bit about that right now, um, Pastor George. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, currently pastoring a church in Tampa called Altar Church. And um, I've been pastoring the church since November of 2018 as the lead pastor. Prior to that, I was associate pastor. And a few years behind that, I had been the, the lead worship pastor for, for our church here. Um, my father, Jorge, pastored the church um, ever since we came here to the States. And um, in... 2016 right at the end of the year he uh started getting uh sores on his body and and, and bruises and we didn't know what it was and, um, we would take him to the doctor we would see specialists and people were saying it could have been a blood disorder it could have been something else they were not even sure of what happened even at the time of his passing it um it was never really explained to us but um 
Long story short, at, at the start of 2017, things got really bad, and um, he had to be put on steroids and different, um, almost like chemos. Like there were all kinds of things that they were trying to do for for whatever this disease that it was to stop. And um, eventually, a doctor said that it, removing his spleen was the next thing that we could do. And um, when they did it, he seemed like he was totally fine. Um, then on Father's Day of 2017, we had a service here at the church. He was still recovering uh, from that surgery. And that same day, they called us after service. They had called us a bunch of times, but we didn't pick up the phone. We were in the middle of service. And we got to the hospital, and he had uh, had a heart attack a few times, actually, three uh, straight. And so we were at the hospital, and, and, and he passed away on, on the 17th, on Father's Day. And um, it, was, it was hard, man. I think that was easily the biggest upset in my life that um, that I think I'll ever experience. Honestly, the, the, my father was the closest thing to Jesus that I ever had. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't, we don't like to say people are perfect. But like, I, I can't find a flaw in my father. And he was somebody who, who was always not just there for me, but he, 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 he just, he just knew. He just knew what, what, what God was saying at, at, at any given time. And he was somebody that was always there for me. He was my pastor all of my life. And um, that was hard, man. Um, our whole family entered into some deep, deep emotional crippling pain at the loss of somebody who had been the pillar of our family for such a long time. And uh, I had studied music education for a few years at college here in Tampa and we had we started a music school here and that's what we were doing for a while um, but something in my heart told me to start uh, getting an education on practical ministry at Southeastern University in Lakeland so I went that same year that my father passed away and uh, so things were just sort of lining up but um, what, what pushed me over to entering ministry was sort of the culmination of of, of everything my father had taught me um, of the call that God has over our lives. You can't just, you can't just go into ministry. If you're not called, you'd be hurting yourself. Um, but yeah, I checked his phone on one night and he was talking to a good pastor friend of his here in the Bay. And he told him, Hey, I think I'm going to pass away tomorrow, but I'm okay with that. Um, God told me it's my son's turn. And that was the last text message he sent. And so reading that, it, it took me a, a while to digest. Um, I was wondering why he never told me that. I, it was interesting. So I, I wrestled with that text message. I wrestled with my grief. And um, you know, after a process that I'm still in, um, the church asked me after a few months, we took a long sabbatical. We, we had to we had to figure things out. They asked me to come in as associate pastor. And then one thing led to another. And that's why I'm pastoring today. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I think I would, I would wrestle too if I received a text message along those lines, you know, that, that the person I, I love dearly, you know, last conversations with a particular person or a close friend mm. along those lines, that's, yeah, that's that's pretty tough. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's. I don't think we're we're ever prepared for it, for a lot. Mm. You know, I don't I don't feel there's there's um 
there's books out there that can really, because each person is different. Each person grieves different. You know, one of the reasons why I, I, I have us here is because it's common to hear about grief and associate it with women. Like women mm. are so open with how they feel. Women mm. are, are, they'll let you know. But mm. we tend to close in and we, we grief different. I don't know if yeah. the doctor can, can elaborate a little bit on that from what you've seen when it, you know, from a man grieving to a woman grieving. Mm. Pastor, thanks for sharing that story. Uh, you know, you know, the Bible say many, many are called, but few are chosen. And mm. just hearing that story, you were chosen. Mm. Um, and uh, my condolence to, to you and that in your, in your family. In terms of grief, I think even before we, we, we separated in terms of male versus female is to kind of just establish what grief is. And um, yeah. so I think first and foremost, it's important to know that grief is a natural and normal response to loss. Um, grief is complex emotionally and uh, cognitively. And I think it's complex because it's like you're walking with a suitcase of emotions. You know, there's denial, there's despair, there's shock, there's anger, there's guilt, sure. isolation. So it's heavy and it's painful. And we, we, we've trained ourselves from a, young, from a young age to when we feel pain to avoid it, sure. you know? And we've done that in so many different areas of our life. So a lot of times when we think of grief, we think of grief in terms of loss of life. So that's tangible in terms of physical, but grief could also be intangible in terms of the non-physical, in terms of what happens to your identity when you lose someone, what happens to your self-worth, what happens to your belief. Um, so while you're figuring all of that out, there's not a handbook, there's not a manual to tell us how to grief. So it's like you're learning on the job and you're learning while feeling this, this, this excruciating amount of pain. And yeah. You don't know what to do, but I think it's it's just so important, and I just just to make it clear that it is normal, and it is and it's natural, and ultimately the goal is to get to a point of acceptance, you know, and that acceptance is where is where healing begins. Yeah. Now, is it is it safe to say? Because um, I know you gave the the I guess we can say the textbook definition of grief. Because you, the words you just used, I was like, okay, he, he just, he went into his brain <laughs> and what he learned, he's like spilling that out right now. So with that, which is good, which is awesome. You know, I appreciate that. It's, um, like you said, it's, it's, it's natural and you have to accept it, mm. you know? So to jump in a little, a little into our minds, Eli, um, what would be your definition of grief? Uh, I, I agree. I, I hear people express themselves in different ways. So there's not, I mean, you can, yeah, you can say a textbook definition, but it's, it's too, it's too, uh, it's like skimming the very top is the tip of the iceberg. And I'm sure that that tale you, you're talking to people and, and they just, they just, you know, 
open up and tell you like the real, the the deep, the root of what's going on. And and I think that that it's very different for everyone. Absolutely. Everyone, um, it's just like everything else. Everyone's so different. And and sometimes you look back and and you you look at someone grieving and you're like, you know, that's not a big deal. But to that person, it's everything. So I think we have to uh, kind of think about it that way. You know, I can see it way different than someone else. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm speaking to, to Jorge about, about being a PK and, and he tells me the story and, and just the way he speaks is like so strong. And I'm thinking to myself, would I be that strong if, if I lost my dad? So it, grief is is very hard to define. It's very hard to pinpoint, and um, I mean that's that's what I think. I, and on, you know, listening to to other people and and listening to to the doctor talk, um, you're not ready, and it's almost it's almost like being a parent. You're not ready. You know, somebody could tell you, "Yo, your 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 mom's sick, your dad's sick, your son is sick." And you're okay, okay, you know, you get all this information and, and gather it together. And they say, listen, if this happens, you know, try to take it easy, um, you know, try to be positive, surround yourself with good people. And it's the same thing when you're about to have a kid, your first child, you know, you get the room ready, you 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 speak to your mom and your dad to, to see what to do and, and how to do the right thing at the right time. But man, when it happens, you on your own, dude. You on your own, and you got a child to to take care of. So when when something drastic happens, something negative, like a loss of a loved one, you're on your own. Like you have to figure that out. And hopefully, you're you're surrounded by the right people. Hopefully, you ask the right people for for help. And um and it's individual, man. I really I really believe that. It's, it's important to to respect the individuality of grief that that that's so right on you know um I'll share I'll share a little of my story um you know I lost my my youngest son is going next week is going to be two years it was actually on November 8th and there was nothing to help me prepare for that mm. My son, he was born with 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 complications. Um, he lived eight eight glorious years. You know, when it came to the point that there was nothing else the doctors could do, we we prepared for it. They said, you know, going into hospice, which I think the doctor would say, you know, that's a way of preparing the family for what's to lie ahead. But in reality, there is no preparation for it. Because even though we, even though myself, um, my wife, and my other two kids, we knew that that our our young son Ismael was going to pass away, it still wasn't real. Like we still held on to to that hope that you know maybe maybe he's going to pull through, like he'd done so many times prior. And when he passed away, it was it was like disbelief. You know, my, my, when I, when I hear the word grief, um, I, I, 
I automatically think of the word amputation or extraction. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why I think those two words come to mind is that when something is extracted from you, like when they pull a teeth out, you remember the pain, you know, no matter how long the time has gone, you know, if you need to get a root canal, which led into pulling of a teeth, you remember no matter what, and you know how much pain you were in, you know, and, and, and you just live on with that memory. Um, amputation, I think of a person who lose a limb that no matter what, they always know that there was a limb there. They always know there was a hand there, but it's no longer there. And now they're, they've adjusted their life, but they're constantly reminded that that hand or that leg is not there. You know, I, since November 8th, 2018, I don't think a day has gone by that I haven't thought of my son. I've heard people say that in the past, you know, like my dad and my mom, they'll speak about their parents or their loved ones. And I never understood that. And now that it happened, it's like, okay, this is what it is. Not literally, not a day goes by that I, that I don't have a moment that I don't think of my son. Some may say, well, you have him as your screensaver on your cell phone. <clears throat> Sometimes I run through my cell phone, I don't even notice my screensaver. But it's that I'm going through life and I'm remembering that, you know, a part of me is missing. So that's how I, I defined um, grief. Uh, Pastor George, what, how, what would you, what would be your, your, your definition for grief? Yeah, I, I think, I think depending on our, on our story, I think we get to define the, the specificity of it a little bit different. Um, to me, after experiencing it, it's a question I got asked already many times. And, and the best word I could describe it as is trouble. Grief is trouble. John 16.33 says, in this world, you will face, uh, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The, the, the word trouble right there in, in Greek, it actually means, it, it said, thelipsis. And thelipsis means a pressing, a, a pressure and an overwhelming amount of pressure that creates pain. So Jesus is guaranteeing one thing on earth, and it's that you'll face moments of overwhelming, painful pressure. And to me, that, that was grief. Grief was an overwhelming, painful pressure. And I mean, it, it, it incapacitated me. I, I felt like the best parts of my life had gotten amputated. And the, the, the pressure of that amputation reminded me of, of the limbs that were no longer there. So, so I, I'm totally with you guys on that. Um, and, and yeah, we do experience it totally different, but to me, it's, it's Jesus's version of trouble, of, of, of the lips, of a, of a painful, incapacitating pressure. Now, being that we've experienced grief, um, I'm gonna ask the, the doctor, and then, and then I'll have Eli answer and Pastor George answer. Um, what are signs of someone grieving? Mm. From, and for you, doctor, because you're the doctor, I want you to put the, the medical term, like what it will be. <laughs> I want you to of us and put your degrees to the side and be like, what are you? 
<laughs> oh man, you must be a mind reader because that is exactly what I was about to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm at, I'm at like at two two weird phases because I have my 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 MD hat on, but one of the things that is probably the most valuable thing in doing the work that I do is that I'm also a student, so I learn just as much from my patients as they learn from me. Because the first step is to listen. No one has all the answers, so even though I have this degree, we're all experts in the room. So. I'll talk a little clinical stuff, but I'm also have to take it down a couple notch to just just remind us that there's no manual, there's no true expert when it comes to grief. And and Eli said it, it's it's individualized. I've seen thousands and thousands of patients and they grieve differently. You know, some people shut down, some people work more, some people focus on other people who are grieving, some people turn towards drugs and alcohol. Um, there's just so many different things that people do to deal with this pain because that's what it is. It's really probably the most emotional, excruciating pain that we could go through mentally. But one of the things I've also learned about grief is on the other side of grief is love and an, an attachment to something that you love. So it's almost like the greater the love, the greater the attachment to that thing, the more the pain and grief that you experience. So we get lost in the pain, but that pain has purpose. And that purpose in so many ways is to remind us that that thing that we lost is why we are still here today. And it still lives in us, you know? so. It's normal, it's natural, but kind of going back to your question, there's a point where we, I do become concerned when somebody is grieving, you know, and, and what I focus on is not just the symptom, but how you are functioning. You know, when you are no longer sleeping, you are no longer eating, you're no longer showering, you're isolating, you can't focus, concentrate, you're having thoughts of no longer being here or, 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 or or just being with your loved one, you know, you're, you're externalizing your pain through drugs and addiction. That's, that's different, you know, because now that is not focusing on the love that actually diminishes the love and it makes grief a very unhealthy experience for that person. So those are the things that I look for. And um, how do you get there? It, it's so dependent on that person but it's so important to, to move away from I'm the expert and just really allow that person to tell their story. You know, just kind of like how it's difficult to define grief. It's also not helpful to, to tell somebody how to define their grief because now you're taking their story away from them and that's not supportive. Wow. It do, now, now you, you just- Boom. Another, another question. Yeah, he just like dropped the bomb right there. Because um, do you think it's generational when the person is trying to tell you how to grieve? That's a question for you, doctor. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's also cultural. Sometimes people are uncomfortable with you grieving because it reminds them of their grief. So to see you in pain highlights their pain. And sometimes what, what is seen as supportive is also 
aware of somebody saying, okay, enough, because this is, this is also affecting me. You know, and it's one of the areas when I'm doing family counseling, it's so important to remind people that it's not about you. It's about the person who's going through it. Eli, um, obviously I, I know you, so I know that, that a particular event in your life um, from us speaking really, really struck you. And that was the, the loss of, um, of your cousin, Meshach, Mitch, some call him Mitch and all. How did you feel? And I don't know if it happened, but if it did happen, how do you feel when someone tried to tell you how to grieve? Um, you and I are lucky, man. We always talk about it and, and we always talk about how lucky we are to be surrounded by the people that we are surrounded by. The important people in my life are positive people. Uh, the people that, that I take their, their words into consideration are, are very close and very, very minimal. Uh, so I was, I was surrounded by positivity. No one told me what to do. Um, I, I was questioned uh, a couple of things of, of how I was behaving or, well, not behaving, but um, people were looking at things from the outside in, like they didn't know what was going on. So I didn't really, I didn't really worry about too much what they said. Um, I didn't know that I was grieving until now that I look back and I say, ah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. That's why, that's one of the reasons why maybe I spiraled, you know? Um, but one thing that, that I like what, what the doctor said was that on the other side is love. And, um, and that I was, I wrote down a, a, a note grief is the evidence of how significant the relationship is. So, you know, if, if you have a really good relationship with someone and something happens drastic because, you know, you, your loved one doesn't have to pass to be grieving. You know, they could be sitting in a, in a, in a hospital bed, maybe in, in a vegetative, vegetate state. I don't even know how to say that. They're just vegging in a bed. You could be grieving over that. A person doesn't have to pass. Um, and that's, that's the individuality of it. You know, somebody looks at you and say, Hey man, you're okay. She, she hasn't passed yet. Like, dude, and I'm not okay. She's just sitting there. Uh, but I, I, I was lucky enough to not have people say, don't cry. Uh, not to not have people say, uh, you don't, you know, you'll be good. You'll be good. Don't, don't worry about it. Just be strong. You know, of course I have people say, be strong. Uh, but, but it was more like, yeah, I know, I understand. It's okay. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be worried. It's okay to be, think of all the things that, that I was thinking, you know, and, and, and I didn't know how, how, how strong our relationship was 
until until that happened and and it was it was it was it was tough but um I thank God that that the people that, that surrounded me my wife especially because I I'm way out here in, in Florida and um he passed he was in Jersey so that was hard as well that was part of of why it was so hard you know um you know you and I Nelson uh I consider you my brother so what what when you when when your son passed it was hard for me because I wasn't close to you you know to help you in in any way that I can with 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 your grief and with your sadness you know sometimes you could just kind of hang out and and that's enough so it's individual man but I was lucky to have positive people to surround me amen um pastor pastor george being a pastor mm-hmm and experiencing grief, um, and then also leading a church. Um, yeah. What are signs that, that you as a pastor are attentive to see when a person is grieving and when they should, they should seek help? Yeah, I, I have to piggyback off of Dr. Theo. Like, anytime that this overwhelming pressure, it manifests itself through like deprivation through anxiety like manifest through somebody's behaviors their emotions their thinking their just their physiology and like even their like interpersonal relationships like the way they they talk to other people that's something i'm like super alert to um just because i know i went through that and i take it one step into my my vocation and it's their spirituality um like anger is the hardest emotion to control but grief is the emotion that leaves you the most vulnerable, which is why we take on that sort of like, when a dog gets hurt and you try to pet the dog, they'll attack you. And so remembering my grief and when somebody would tell me how to grieve, I took on that, like, don't touch me. I'm I'm in pain and I would attack back because you don't get to tell me how to grieve. If I'm the one going through this, why are you telling me how to grieve? And it's something that I had to learn myself. And it was when, when it comes to grief, uh, people tend to speak more from their pain than from their brain. And, and I have to constantly remember that. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's very helpful um, to notice those things. When somebody starts to speak more from pain, you're like, okay, this person's grieving. Um, let, me, let me just double check and check their interpersonal relationships. Um, ask somebody else if this person is okay, if there's anything you can pray for them for you know it, it's always good that if this person has a system that of, of people that are their circle um the ones affected by that sense of sort of like a, attack or like when a cat goes upside down that's because they're ready to pound like it's probably their circle so I, I tend to check how that person is handling their behavior with that with that circle and and i think those are the signs you know the, everything that Dr. Theo and, and Eli have said, I, I think I just add to that, the, the, they speak from their pain. Um, I think it's important for us as Christians, especially as a pastor, that during somebody's mourning and grief, I, I don't take on the theology of God, but I take on the presence of God, and that people tend to take on the theology. Hey, man, you know, the Bible says this, and they give you a message, and it comes from a, such a genuinely good place. The thing is that there are moments where we don't need the theology of God. We need the presence. The, the Bible says, and um, I believe that this is actually, let me, because I, I think it's such an important passage. Um, 
Romans 8. In Romans 8, 19, I'm going to look it up for you real quick. In Romans 8, 19, uh, onward, the, the, the Bible says, um, in, some, in, in verses 22 onward, let me read it for you. It says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. That's another sort of, uh, of, of, of pressing pain, which is why I correlated to that. It says, not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, it says, groan inwardly as we wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Um, it says, and, and I love this part. This is the verse I was trying to get to. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. And some people stop there. They say, hey, man, look, I want to give you a word. In your grief, the Spirit is going to help you. And that's awesome. But at that moment, it doesn't really feel like the Spirit is helping me. If you read the rest of the verse, it says, but the Spirit himself, himself, intercedes for us through wordless growth mm. i think something very important in grief is that when we are going through major emotional upheaval the response of the holy spirit is to cry with you too and, and we forget that because we we're trying to help people get over it by giving them the head knowledge of how to get over their grief but when we approach it holistically and through the holy spirit um the bible teaches us that god cries with us too it hurts him too and and as a as a man, that was that came in clutch for me, honestly, because I went through this right in my engagement with my wife, and it could have crippled everything because I was trying to be very stoic. I was trying to push away all emotion to be there for my wife to show her that I can still hold up, that I can still do the things that we were planning to do. That yes, the death of my father hurts me, but that I'm a man. And then when I read in the Bible and it says the Spirit of God groans when I don't know what to pray for. And that was a season where I had no idea what to pray for. Like, I can't pray for my dad to come back. He's gone. And what, what, what am I going to pray for? I prayed for, for it to go away the next day, and it didn't. And instead of the Bible saying, don't feel sad, God is with you, it says, even when you don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit groans with you. And that groaning is that sound of major emotional pain. 